1: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW, void, or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
2: Hi, everybody. Welcome to the
3: locker room today. I'm Alan Locker, and as you know, I grew up watching As the World Turns and Guiding Light. I joined the department there in 1997 and remained working on both shows for 13 years before they went off the air. As I was stuck, home in quarantine, I realized um, that I was missing my Springfield family and thought some of you might be feeling the same way too. Today, we have two very talented actors, one who spent time in Springfield in the 1980s, I believe, and the other is currently living in Port Charles. Please welcome Will DeVry, who plays Julian Jerome on General Hospital, and Rebecca Staub, who played Jesse Matthews on Guiding Life. Rebecca.
1: Hey, hey, Alan. Well, we found him.
2: Hi, guys. Thank you so Hello. much for doing this. Thank you for having <laughs> me. Thank <you>. Look at <laughs> Rebecca. Doing... Look at Rebecca. You. It's obvious that she just got done with an audition because she's all professional.
1: We're <laughs> like two different countries doing this. So, gosh, technology, huh?
2: Technology
3: is amazing. And uh, thanks to the fans for sticking by and waiting for us. Uh, Rebecca was actually Rebecca went to Canada because she Canada's opened up and she's been auditioning um from quarantine because she has to quarantine for 14 days, having just arrived in Canada. What what's that like? What do they do? Do they do something when you get to the airport actually?
1: Uh well we have to fill out a form that, you know, gives the information about where we'll be and that we agree to stay quarantined and then they just, you know, ask us if we're having any symptoms and you have to go directly home i can't i can't go down Ooh.
3: i think we lost rebecca there for a minute
2: yeah it looks like it, the whole thing froze i couldn't mine froze as well
3: oh, okay yeah i don't know if she she'll sign back in so how are you doing out there? You're, you're taking care of the house while uh, she's out there in Canada?
2: Yeah. So when she told me I had an extra four hours. <laughs> yeah, I know.
3: We got confused between Eastern and Pacific time. So I apologize. So,
2: it's so important to throw out that Eastern standard time, uh, Pacific standard time. Yeah. Yeah. Rebecca, I think she what she was saying is that she has to sign. Looks like she's coming back in. You want to finish your story? <laughs>
1: I forget so, what, I don't know where it's you were saying you, you have
2: to fill out a form
1: that you're going to... And then
3: can't can't stop anywhere on the way. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I'm in my 400-square-foot apartment with my little windows that open four inches for 14 days. So if I need anything, I can call a friend and have them drop it off at Muldur. And, you know, they, they might call, they might stop by. I have friends that were in quarantine and, you know, the RCMP stop by just to make sure that you're there. So it's, it's a huge fine if you break quarantine, but it's effective. That's why they're, they're like 0% up here right now. Nobody's sick. Nobody's had it for a while. People are back to work. You know, because that's the thing. If you buckle down and do what you have to do, it gets done. So that's what I'm doing so that I can I can go back to work. So I'm free on July 20th, which is our anniversary. Um, so that's yeah. the first day that, like, I'm I'm free to go out. So I'm just in here. But it has been so busy. I mean, everyone's I like, oh, what would you do for that long? And I thought it for the first time I would have free time. She's like, finally, I can read I can catch up because the whole time that we've been home, it's been crazy. And then the whole time I've been here, I mean, I'm barely unpacked and this is Friday and I got here on Sunday. So it's just been- yeah. I don't
2: think it's you want to see. the. I don't think you want to see the rest of our apartment yet.
1: Yeah. It absolutely-
3: <laughs> I don't It's have- great that it's great that, you know, the film industry, the television and film industry is booming in Canada. Yeah. You know, we need we need that to happen You know, Will needs to get back to Port Charles.
2: It's really unfortunate because, you know, all these conversation and debate, which is unfortunately, instead of being a scientific debate, has turned into a political ideological debate, which is unfortunate because we've wasted so much time. I mean, we've just wasted so much time with this whole bullshit when honestly, if we would just all follow the freaking rules for a month, we'd be over it. We'd be all over uh, it. You know, there was I, these kids having parties and teenagers on the beach and it just got worse. And then they, you know, they brought it home, obviously. It's a disaster. I mean, it's an absolute disaster.
3: I agree. I, I felt the same way. If people had just based, you know if we had closed the whole country, like one month, we'd be done with this. We'd all be back to work. We, you know, you could see your family, you could get out of the house.
1: <laughs> well, and this is an example up here, everybody else is out and about and back to normal. You know, I live right on the bay, right on the water, and people are down there. It looks like normal life again. You know, they're riding bikes, they got their babies in a stroller, and so it's possible, but you have to do this to get that. Yeah. And you course- said you're in
3: Vancouver, yes, because I have friends in Toronto, and I was so surprised when I saw them posting. Like that they were back at work. I I just I couldn't fathom it. It just felt like a different universe.
2: Yeah, it's weird because you feel like everybody in Canada is being irresponsible because you, they send you all these pictures of you know at the cafes and ever and you're like, what the hell? But you know, like Rebecca said, she was in the cab on the way to the apartment and everybody's out like it's a normal summer day. Because well, they, they they we'll took all it seriously. Be,
3: they did. Well so July 20th you said is your anniversary. Yeah. So did you did you two meet at Port Charles? I was trying to find that and I could, where where did you, you know, two meet?
1: Kelly Larson who was a journalist was it ABC Soap's in depth? I think. Yeah, she, oh, maybe. Yeah, she introduced us. So because Will had been on Port Charles but years before me and he'd come back just for a guest spot and but we never saw we never met each other then. But that was kind of my first realization of who he was because my makeup artist was talking about him the whole time. And then it took like five years of people going, oh, you know Will DeVry. Oh, yeah, you know William. I'm like, I don't know him. And so finally it was at, it was at a uh, daytime Emmys that I was talking to Kelly Larson. And she's like, hmm, you know who's, I'm going to call. And so she kind of just put us in touch with each other and then we took it from there.
3: And, and how many years will this be on July 20th?
1: Thirteen.
3: That's amazing. Happy almost anniversary. Thank you. So let, we'll start with you, Rebecca. Do you remember your first day at Guiding Light?
1: Yes, yes, because it was Kurt and Mindy's wedding. So oh my it, god. Yeah. So <laughs> it was a magical fairy tale, and oh my! I mean, I remember exactly what I was wearing. I had this beautiful Ralph Lauren, you know, this skirt and this velvet jacket and like a little cravat and uh libby larson who was playing my mother it was both of our introduction and we're riding in a carriage with lillian and you know onto the set of this absolute fairy tale wedding so it was it was a double fairy tale for me
3: you were on location because that that was done on the. i know i wish i had pictures I remember that wedding myself. <laughs> I remember that, but that was on location, right? You were on yep. location. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. I didn't realize that that was your first day at that. And it's funny because in another show I did with um, Kimberly Sims, who replaced Krista Tessero as Mindy, her first day was at Reva and Josh's wedding
2: oh on
3: location, gosh. which has got to be intimidating. She said it was so intimidating because you come and it's, you know, a a full cast of people that you're just starting to work with. Was it overwhelming?
1: What I loved was that everybody was there. And it really felt like a real life wedding. Like it felt more being at an event. And so I got to meet everyone and you know, there was just like so much excitement and it was really special as opposed to just like another day at the studio where people are in the hall high. You know, it (laughs) it, it was, it was just this, it was magical. So yeah, I
3: loved it. It was fun. Well, Now I have to go find a clip of that. Will, do you remember your first day at Port Charles at General Hospital? Well, because I know you did work.
2: (laughs) Not really. I just remember my scene with Kirsten Storms because Frank made me grab her. (laughs) You know, he was like, grab her by the arm. I remember my first day on All My Children more than I do than GH. By then, I just felt like, you know, I don't know, it's weird. I, I take my jobs weird. I, it's just like, you know, you don't get too high, too low. You know, yeah. not you don't get too excited about it. I just remember uh, Frank being there a lot because it was my first day. And um, he wanted the character to sort of establish himself from the get-go in a certain way. Um, so I remember some of the notes he gave me, but I don't really remember too, too much. I mean, I remember my screen test. Uh, Who is that with well it was with Maurice actually um, I guess they were kind of looking for a character that could stand up to to mo uh, adversarially wise and um, also be, be it, with keeping in mind that it was also a father to uh, to Kelly Monaco's uh, character so mm-hmm. for same. So, uh, so yeah, I was with Maurice, but I didn't work with Mo for a little bit of time. It took a while,
3: and that and that's not necessarily typical on a soap for male characters to.
2: I would have with. thought, you know, in hindsight, although knowing what I know about what their plans were. I mean, you kind of look at the show and the, and the history of my character, and you think, oh, that's weird that he didn't have a screen test with Nancy Lee Gron, with mm-hmm. Alexis. You go, oh, that's it." seems like a no-brainer. But truthfully, um, I don't think they anticipated uh, what happened to happen. And so, and I think if they had anticipated that happening, I probably would have read with Nancy. And the story probably would have lasted longer, if that makes sense. But because they never really planned on something like that happening, uh, I think it just kind of ran its course, if you will, and mm-hmm. carried on. But th- th- in hindsight, that's probably why I didn't read with Nancy LeGron, because he was really just brought on to be an adversary guy for uh, Sonny.
3: Gotcha. And Rebecca, did you have to screen test at Guiding Light?
1: Guiding Light, I did. I read with Michael Leary. <laughs> Oh god. It's funny because I never I was never paired with him. But it was it was great because he's just Mr. Emotion and Embraceable. And I don't remember the scene. Well no, I think no, I think I was talking about pageants and that kind of stuff because that's where Jesse came from. But I remember Mike and just like those blue eyes just lit up behind and this love on his face. And yeah, he just made it just so easy. So,
2: That's is he so the one with the curly,
3: curly black hair? Yeah. 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 At that time. Yeah. And, and a at character. <laughs>
1: uh,
3: yeah. At that time. Sorry. <laughs> He's hysterical, though. He's a funny guy. Um,
1: yeah.
3: Who or what was your biggest influence on becoming actors?
2: Will? Well, uh, for me, honestly, I had no thought. I mean, growing up in Montreal, I took, you know, drama in high school. You know, I did the requisite plays in in elementary school, but I never thought in a million years of becoming an actor. It was just sort of a child's life, uh, you know, in high school and elementary. And um, I took business in college, moved to Florida after my first year of college in Montreal, and went to business I took business in college in Florida and uh you know there was a couple of us that were hanging around and one of my buddies was um kind of modeling a little bit but he wanted to take some acting classes and uh, he wanted uh you know back in those days you tried to reel somebody in with you right you go hey do this with me so we can share the drive split the gas all that bullshit And uh, it worked out well because uh, I did it with him. It was in Orlando. So it was like an hour and 15 minute drive. We'd go every Sunday and uh, it was a 10 week course and I really loved it. And uh, at the end of the 10 weeks, we did a showcase piece. Uh, My buddy Lou and I did a showcase piece and um, I got approached by a couple of agents couple of local producers because things were really starting to happen in uh, central Florida back then. And that's when uh sequest DSV with uh NBC show with Roy Scheider, um, Michael Deluise, Peter Deluise that came on the air. It came to Florida and I booked a nice role on that. And when they gave me the check, I thought, shit, this is, (laughs) <laughs> I'm coming if back for make, more. <laughs> if I can make this money every week, this is amazing.
3: <laughs> I'm coming back for more. I don't, I don't blame you. And for you, Rebecca? Mine was I know great. you started modeling.
1: Yeah, mine was very circuitous because I'd been in theater in high school and college, and I was modeling in Paris. And it was funny, a girl that I had met in New York, who I knew in Paris the whole time, had come to, went to New York before me, and she started on Ryan's Hope. And it was that little bean in the back of your head going, well, if she can do that. I can do that. And so like a year later, when I arrived in New York, I was signing in at my modeling agency and they're like, do you act? I'm like, yeah. And so well, go upstairs, talk to Mike. Cause we just opened a film and TV division. I'm like, yay. So I went up there. Hi Mike. Da-da-da-da-da, you know, and the very first audition that he sent me on was for loving. And I'm like, well, I don't really do soap operas. And he's like, here is your resume. You have nothing on your resume. (laughs) He's Like, just go on this, like just for, just for fun. You know, it's just a good rehearsal. I'm like, okay. And it was this little punk rock teenager, but I had a booking at JCPenney's right after the audition and I had to be camera ready. So that was my job. So I'm like, I audition for this punk rock teenager. I go walking in at ABC and all these other girls are sitting there with their, hair and then like they're ripped fishnets and all this and i have like my little jc penny hair like a little tuxedo shirt and go and like audition for this punk rock teenager dressed like that did my audition left walked across town by the time i got to the east side i arrived at my jc penny job and they're like oh your agent just called i'm like oh i thought that was strange yes they're like oh you booked that show i'm like So it was funny because, and that was Cecilia Thompson, and I was only supposed to be on for six episodes, but it just took off. And what the advantage, I mean, for me personally was, because since i have been modeling all those years, I'm really good at hair and makeup. So I just walked into hair and makeup the very first day, completely naive, not even knowing that these people are supposed to do it. I walked in, (laughs) here's this makeup. And I just kind of started with these, you know, oranges and greens and blah, blah. My hair was shorter and I like put it up in this mohawk. And my hair and makeup were just standing there like, who is this girl? What is she? But I didn't know. And so it was kind of funny <laughs> because it was just like the character. And so when I had this Betsy Johnson, it was to this day, probably the most fun character. I've still ever played. Oh, there's somebody's calling. Um, And so I ended up, they kept extending the character and I was on for six months but they never put me under contract and my agent kept asking is like, don't you want to put her under contract? like, No. And by then I'd had my own set, which is a big deal on a soap. When you have your own home now, like you're kind of settled. They added a dad for me. So I had like my own stories, my own home, my own family. They still never put me under contract. I auditioned for guiding light, got it on Friday when loving was calling my agent to give them my days for next week. They're like, She's going over to Guiding Light. You didn't put her under contract, so they literally had to recast me in one day. And that was Mark Teshner. That was Mark Teshner's first day as a casting agent on Loving. So his first day, they're like, "Oh, you have to recast this character today." And so that was like who, I never who ended it. up
3: who ended up getting it. You know,
1: Paige Turco. I think she oh, yeah. was the first one because there were I think three. It was Cecilia Thompson. And I think Paige was number two, and I don't even know who was. Well, that's
3: so because neither neither you or Paige are punk to me, <laughs> you know. Looking at which is so well, funny. But.
1: After me, when she came on, they toned down the character that she wasn't punky anymore because mine it was just kind of a, a gimmick, you know, for the summer and- to break up, you know, uh, Trisha. So, the punk thing wasn't really supposed to last, but it just did because it worked, but they were just kind of watering it down you know
3: and Paige ended up going to guiding Light many years later too
1: oh that's so funny she played, she and, played
3: Dinah marlar she, she played Ross marler's
1: oh
3: uh daughter and so and you got a contract at guiding Light yes, yeah, and so talk about uh coming there. Lisby played your mom. Tina played your aunt. Judy played your cousin. Yeah. What was it like working with all of them?
1: Well, the nice thing about playing Jesse was everything was brand new. Jesse was a a stage child, victim of of a stage mother, like a pageant queen. I'd, I'd never really gone to school. I never really had friends. We didn't really live anywhere. So when we moved to Springfield, it was the first time I have a home And, you know, it's like, I've got, you know, my family around me. And when I got to get my first job and, you know, I could talk to boys. And so it was, you know, everything was, was a first. So as an actress, that was just really fun because, you know, you're just joyful about everything. And then they hooked me up with Simon, Sean Thompson, who then was, you know, the bad boy, the troublemaker, the con man. And so, you know, it was kind of the, you know, the opposites attract thing. And so then that really took off. And- um,
3: It did, people loved huh? Simon and Jesse. People loved Simon and Jesse together.
1: Yeah. Well we we ended up being together in real life as well.
3: We're right, But but they loved Simon and Jesse. Yeah, you know, Simon they did. They that. really they really did love you know, I, I knew that, but I mean they loved Simon and Jesse. Well it was fun um,
1: it was it was adventurous. Like they, they they gave us fun things to do. They wrote us well and we had had fun doing things and it was it was very applicable. The the nice thing for me at the time about Jesse is Jesse was a real role model. And so a lot of my fan mail, it was like from, you know, teenage girls. Young,
3: young, women. yeah.
1: And and so I I was, I don't know, I, I I held the role close because it was important to me. It wasn't just something that I threw off every day. You just go, wow, they really watch this character and and learn from her. And so it was important for me for Jesse to be portrayed as you know. And also
3: coming into a show where you're coming into a family like Beth Beth Rains and, and Lillian Rains, they were already there. So yeah. fans, you know, you're already, you know, family to them, even though yeah. they've never met you. The thing you now,
1: know, some, they kind of had a gang. They had like the Lou Jack gang. And so, you know, Christy and Krista. And, 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 you know, so all those guys had a gang and Beth. But Jesse really... Wasn't part of it. Like I kind of was, but not really. And that's the only thing that I would have liked. Like that would have been fun. It didn't really meld story wise, but it could have. But if there's one thing that didn't happen on the show, it would have been fun to really be friend friends with those guys. As part right.
3: part 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 of the gang.
1: Yeah, yeah. Part of the gang. Yeah.
2: Will well a lot of fans- somebody Somebody just recognized her from Guiding Light the other day.
1: When I was when I was just flying, I kid you not. On my flight here, so it's like a Sunday morning. I walk into the lounge at Delta Airlines, right? And I've got on a mask and sunglasses, and you know, I go to check in and give them my ticket, and then I go and sit down. And the the uh, receptionist at, at Delta, she comes over, and she goes, "I just wanted to tell you, I recognized you, and I just loved all of your work as Jesse Matthews." Wow. And I'm like, "I don't want to do the math to think how long ago that was." <laughs> right. How did you recognize me? But she said, because, oh, it was your voice. She goes, I would know your voice anywhere. And I was like, after decades.
3: Decades. And I was like, yeah.
1: oh, I'm so glad to finally meet you because I always loved you. And I'm like, wow. So.
3: Dec- I mean, the, it, it's the impact. It's really crazy. You know, yeah. it's crazy, the, the impact. And speaking of impact. Will, a lot of fans um, who are writing are asking, and you mentioned all my children. Um, you know, you played a a dark character there. What was that experience like working with Eden and Susan and Alicia? Uh, uh
2: yeah, Alicia, Alicia Minshew. Yeah, um, I know it's always hard to pronounce the A A L I C I A, Alicia. Yeah. Um. Well, it's unfortunate, you know. Uh, we had, we had. I felt like a really good writer, but soaps at the time, as everybody else was experiencing, were experiencing a downturn in ratings. And, I, and there was a lot of panic going on within the daytime industry as to what to do about it. And uh, I remember, you know, going down to discuss, uh, you know, whether or not I should buy a, a condo in uh, New York because I really wanted to get a condo. I wanted to settle in somewhere that was mine and this was maybe i don't know i want i'm wanting to say about two or three months into my gig but it was like a revolving door of actors i knew that there was crazy shit going on so i went down to Jeannie burke on a tuesday and i i asked her if if she felt uh it was safe and i told her what my apprehension was about buying because it was a revolving door of actors and she said you know well we just did a a uh uh, one of those uh, uh tests. Long test, term. Test. Uh, uh,
3: what is it? A, mar- a marketing test. Te- marketing. Yeah,
2: yeah. So, so to speak. Yeah. And my, uh, she said, you know, you you've tested higher than anybody else has in years. Like you're over ninety percent approval rating. And uh, she goes, "You'll be here as long as you want." Uh, I guess in hindsight, I figured out that if you have a test, you know a number that high you're pretty you know you can almost write your own ticket based on past events so i was like all right good excellent so that was on tuesday on thursday two days later i'm in the makeup chair on the fifth floor and it was like uh will devry would you please uh, report to Jeannie burke's office will devry so i went into her office and i said you know Jeannie, you wanted to see me and she goes yeah well we just had a big network meeting yesterday they're firing the head writer that uh, created your character. And they're bringing back Megan McTavish. Megan McTavish is bringing back some of her people, uh, which at the time was uh, Ryan uh, Cameron uh, Matheson, played mm-hmm. Ryan, and somebody else I can't remember. So she goes, your character is going to become unredeemable. Uh, and I go, well, what does that mean? And she goes, well, it's going to become a really bad character because at the at the time, based you know, in in response to your question, my character started out as a love interest and kind of a mysterious guy. He grew to be a nefarious dude. And they they said that you know uh, Megan's going to make your character kind of nasty, bad boy, and unredeemable. I go, yeah. Well, she told me what that means. She goes, you know, you're going to rape some character, your character is going to rape some characters. And and I was like, oh, jeez, that doesn't sound good. And she goes, well, the, the idea was that Megan felt, you know, bringing back Cameron. And at the time, the sisters, Alicia, Al- Alicia and uh, Eden and um, Susan Lucci's character were estranged at that time. And they felt, we're going to make you the pin that brings them back together because you're going to mess with everybody and they're going to come together as a family. So that's what happened. you know, I uh, basically uh, tried to rape, um, uh, well, I did rape uh, Alicia Minshew's character because they'd broken up, uh, Kendall. And then uh, I raped uh, Bianca's character, got her pregnant. And then he tried to rape the mom and by then kendall's character kind of knew what was what and and <clears throat> you know she's the one that saved her mom from uh from michael so it became uh i don't want to i mean it was interesting to play the most difficult day was probably um the the, the susan lucci day where uh, his character tried to rape she was really cool i because She she said you know listen you can do whatever you want and I I tossed her like I tossed her around and it looked she's she's probably very easy to toss around yeah Yeah. she's tiny but you know give her credit because she said go for it and it wasn't Corey I find sometimes you know you don't want to hurt somebody and you don't you shouldn't hurt somebody but we did it in a way that there was always a safe landing. So we could kind of, I said, yeah, I'll tell you what, I'll make it look like I push you, but you do the work. So she did most of the work to make it look like I was slamming her around. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I had to push her face into the couch and like get behind her. And I mean, it was some rough stuff. So that was a bit difficult, but other than that, it was an interesting ride. Uh, I got nominated for it. Um, but I think ultimately I feel like it's they be kind a, of dark, regret- a
3: dark thing to play too.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It, I didn't mind it. I didn't mind it, but ultimately I felt like they regretted getting rid of the character. Um, I remember Rebecca Buttig just being on top of the moon. Cause she was pissed that they got rid of me, you know, that she didn't, she didn't agree with that move at all. Um, and you know, she was kind of ruling the roost at that point, uh, you know, and, yeah. uh, she uh, she told them, you know, you made a mistake with this guy, and she was really happy when I got nominated. So you know, I, I I'll always be thankful for her. She was really in my corner during that whole thing. Um, so you know, it it is what it is, and it's unfortunate. I, I to this day, I think they made a mistake, and uh, it's part of the reason why I did get this show though, General Hospital, because Frank Valentini had seen that tape of the uh, rape of uh, Bianca, you know, in the dark stormy night. And that whole episode, by the way, was just four of us, right? It was just Eden, for the hour, was just Eden myself, locked in that house. And it was um, uh, Susan Lucci and Kendall, I think, that oh, we wow. carried that show. Yeah, that whole show was just four, four characters. That's so rare.
3: You you know, no, no show really d- does something like that anymore.
2: Yeah. No, no. So I, I felt like, I, you know, I it was unfortunate because I felt like the character had become a lead on the show and it was popular. Um And I think, uh quite honestly, I think Megan Metafish screwed up. I mean, it's already... And I don't mind saying that because she did.
3: Right. I think a lot, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of fans say that. I mean, it, you know, it's it's crazy when, you know, w- like one day they said, you're going to be fine. And then boom, a new head writer comes in and the whole world changes.
1: Well, now, first of all,
2: you die. You 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 kill to have a character that that kills. You know that that works really well with the audience. That's what you pray for in daytime. Yeah. And the fact that like it was a ninety three percent approval rating in the, in the uh, screen test uh, for the audience, um, you know, is is unheard of. And, and the fact that they would just get rid of somebody so easily is just ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yeah. I'm, Rebecca, I'm, surprised, you- I'm, surprised network, I'm surprised the network let her do it. Quite honestly.
1: Yeah, I think that's what they did lighting light because there was that that's how I ended up leaving is that we had a new executive producer came in and he went in one day and like mailboxes. There were literally like pink stick up notes like on, you know, see me, see me, see me. And you're just like looking at the mailboxes going, oh,
2: oh, my God. I remember those mailboxes.
1: Yeah. And so and I was down in hair and makeup and it was the same kind of thing. Like it was kind of like one at a time. It's like that was that
3: was. Was that when Gail Kobe Co- was Gail Kobe there and hired you? or Coby she-
1: hired me, and then it's when Joe came on.
3: Joe Wilmore.
1: Yeah, yeah.
3: But oh, wow. Was,
1: but they just kind of cleaned house. It was like anybody who wasn't one of the main families. If you weren't a Bauer, you know, it was just like, if you're not a main family member, just everybody, it was just a clean, so I went away to college, and that was it. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat>
0: Um, but you did get to work. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office.
1: Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday,
2: I will call
0: upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
1: VDW Group, no purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.
3: With Before you left, Beverly McKenzie.
1: Yes, you know, I just did a, an interview with a Oh, did,
3: with pa- Patrick.
1: Did to, yeah, did you talk oh, to him? I, he,
3: I put him in touch with a few people. That's
1: so great. For probably two and a half hours. I know, hard to believe me. Yak, yak, yak. But it was funny because when we first started, I'm like, I have to apologize. I'm like, I honest to God don't remember a lot of details. He's like, that, That's okay. We're gonna talk anyway, you know, I'll bring stuff up. It's like two and a half hours later, he's like, Well, so much for not having anything to say. I was like, Yeah, yeah. So I gotta work with with Beverly, which in retrospect, you know, it's those things that if you could go back and do your life over again, you know, when you're young, gosh, boy, you're making me dizzy. When you're young, (laughs) you know, different things in your head that when you're more mature. And so the me now, what I would give to sit on set with Beverly or, you know, in in her dressing room or makeup or something and just because, you know, of course I talked to her, but at the time you're, you're in the process of history you don't realize it's history. Like you're just, it's just another day at work. And then later it's like,
2: oh.
3: I've heard stories since like doing this show, my show yeah. of her that have just fascinated me that I had no idea.
1: I, I mean, know. Well, that's what our conversation turned more into Patrick telling me about her. That it's like, oh, I wish I would have known her. Yeah. That. So that's us lesson sure. to everyone to...
3: I know, to use your time, absorb from, you know, especially someone like that. So yeah. you, you both are so active in, in rescuing dogs. You foster four-legged friends who are slated for euthanasia, rehabilitate them, and then find homes for them. How did you get started in that?
1: It kind of, it, it was never really a plan when we met. We each had our individual dogs and so it was just, you know, like everybody else for a while. And then it kind of, Will, Will was driving back from Vancouver to LA and on his way through Oregon, you know, going down the five and all these 18 wheelers saw a lone dog under a lone tree in the middle of nowhere. And that's kind of how it started. I don't know. I don't want to
2: tell your story, but oh no, 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 that's fine. I was listening. Of course, I've got like five dogs.
1: Yeah, you've got it. Yeah. <laughs> You've got them all around yeah. you right now. I yeah. know uh, they're
2: they're, they're they, they get antsy after a while because I, I had them blockaded off, but you know they're all now, like are these standing.
3: five yours? Yeah. Yours yeah. Are yeah. these some okay? But our yeah. dog- are you still? Foster additional to the five. Oh, yeah, we do. You know,
2: Rebecca takes a lot of small dog. Well, not right now because of the quarantine situation. But Rebecca, Norm, you know, when she flies up back to uh, Vancouver, she'll usually take a small dog back to uh, a rescue back to Vancouver for as an apartment dog in Vancouver. Because they uh,
1: don't we- in their shelters here, they're really short on small dogs. And so an unbelievable amount of small dogs from Southern California actually come up to Oregon, Washington, and, and British Columbia because they they have, you know, room and homes for, for the small dogs that are wasting away in California. So whenever I will fly, I, I'm in touch with a, uh, a rescue here, and I'm like, hey, I'm going to be flying on the 14th. And they're like, okay, hold on. And they kind of, they do, you know, behind the work, all these rescue gals and, you know, bring the dog over to our house a day earlier because they kind of like to let them decompress. <laughs> And then fly them up here, and they go on to another
2: home. But many times, many times we'll keep a dog for up to. Uh, well, I think we kept Willow for maybe a month because we we did have to do some rehab. She needed a she needed some surgery, and we've pulled a couple of dogs from, like you said, uh, Alan, the the kill shelter. Uh, mm-hmm. Rebecca, pulled, uh, she went there for one dog one time and came back with two. Um, and uh, so you know, we 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 do our best. We've we've we do a lot of work uh, pulling dogs from kill shelters, uh, just coordinating with other people that are closer to that particular shelter uh, because we we got wind of it or whatever. I mean, we do a lot of networking to make a lot of this happen. It's not all uh, yes,
1: us. Some of it's hands on, but it's amazing what can get done just with who knows who. But it's just, I mean, even just last week we had a dog at the house because one of our neighbor's friends found a dog, but a, like a little chihuahua. And she's like, I can't keep her called our neighbor. And then the neighbor called me and we're like, bring her over. We'll figure, it, you know? And so it's always like the, the, the important thing is to get the dog safe. Cause a lot of times people call and go, Oh, you know, do you know anybody who wants to adopt this dog? It's like, bring the dog here and then we'll figure it out. There was like a friend, literally a friend of a friend of a friend. There was this little teeny dog that this gal thought was being abused, so she called her sister, called a friend, friend called me, and you know they're like, "Do you know anybody who wants to adopt this dog?" I'm like, "Is the dog in danger?" It's like, "Get the dog, just get the dog and bring her here, and then we'll figure it out." Right. So she came and just for about a week, but then it ended up that my cousin in Kansas City was looking for it like that same. Exact- so we, you know, so she went to Kansas City. And yeah, there's just every dog that we've brought home and rehabilitated and found a home for. We've actually become friends with the with the new family because they're just really great people. And so every dog that's gone out of our home, we know where they are and who they're with, and they follow up, and vice versa. And sometimes it's not that direct. Sometimes it's indirect. Well, like Mark on the show, um,
2: Mark Samuel.
1: Yeah, Mark Samuel. Because he was like, I'm looking for a dog. I'm looking for a dog. So every now and then, you know, I'd send him a picture. And there was one day, he's like, that's the one. And so I just coordinated. And and Jeff, I don't he know. Felt
2: so, he felt so terrible because he would, like, reject all these dogs. And he's like, I feel so bad, but I just kind of have an idea of what I think I want. And I'm like, dude, don't worry. You know, we'll – so Rebecca would inevitably find someone for all the dogs that he didn't want. But eventually, we did find one that he did want. So –
3: that's a, It's really awesome. And one of your fans, Rebecca, said it really meant a lot when their dog passed away, you had reached out to this fan. Uh, TDC Gal. I don't know the real name, but it's TDC Gals is, is her screen name.
1: Uh, and, uh, yeah, that's, so, um, it's hard, you know, it's a family member. It's a family yeah. member. We've all gone through it and, you know, they stay with you.
3: Oh, yeah. My sister lost hers probably a year ago. And oh. at the at the start of the and, and never had a dog. And at the start of the pandemic, she and her husband actually um, fostered a dog. Because um, a lot of
1: people were- The good residuals of this pandemic is that so many people have been you know, fostering and,
2: yeah. and
1: adopting. What we like hold, to on, start... hold
2: on, I wanna hear the story from Alan. Hold on, what? Go on, Alan. Oh, no, no, they just had
3: fostered, that's all. They had never fostered before and they really enjoyed it, my sister and her husband. You know, because both of their boys are out of the house. Their dog had passed away within like the year ago. And you know, at the start of the pandemic, they just decided to do it. And uh really liked
2: it. That is weird because that was definitely a thing at the beginning of this, you know, when everybody thought it was only gonna be a month, a lot of those uh pen a lot of those kennels A (laughs) a lot of those kennels emptied out, which was crazy. Crazy good. Yeah, yeah, cra- crazy. crazy, good. You know, we'll, um, go oh, I wanted to do a shout out yeah. to Nelson Nelson uh, Bronco in, up in uh, in Canada. Oh yeah, um, he uh, he was, you know, I I bring him up because uh, he, uh, he, he he put a post on. I guess he lost his dog about four years ago, and he put a post of of a picture of his dog and saying that you know he sort of has kept the the collar all this time and that he grabbed the collar and he just smelled it and it still smelled like her. And he said he cried for an hour, you know, that's how difficult it is.
3: Oh, I can't imagine. I I sort of share a um, dog. I don't get custody. My ex has custody of our dog. It's a mini Schnauzer Clark. When we had broken up, my mom had also died and it was just an easier time. But he's now um, fifteen years old, and it—you know—I can't even imagine. I'm actually trying to find a picture because you'll—I mean—he's just the sweetest thing—a mini schnauzer that is just um, amazing. I'll find it and show you. But anyway, um, I have to ask you, Will, what's it like working with your uh, on-screen sister, my dear friend, uh, Moore West?
2: Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. We've, we've, we've bonded pretty well, as you can see. Uh, it was her idea to sort of make, uh, them kind of naughty brother and sister. (laughs) That doesn't surprise (laughs) me. So I, I, uh, but of course, you know, I'm like, yeah, whatever. Absolutely. Indecent, indecent, uh, indecent relationship. Um, I thought that was a great choice. Um, but yeah she's very generous uh she can she can uh she she can be very serious at times and she can be very loving at times and very funny at uh, other times very you know honest. she's uh, she's just one of those uh you know she's got her cups you know what I mean and mm-hmm. uh, I, I've always just sort of allowed her to be who she is and I think she I think that's the thing that she's appreciated most about me is that I don't, you know, I'm not really, you know, we're all we all have our days and we all have our different mm-hmm. moods. We all have our different way that we work, um, and she appreciates. I think that I just let her do her thing, and and uh, so we've developed a pretty strong bond. That's awesome. Here, if you can see. Oh, oh
1: yeah. Mark. <laughs>
3: He's adorable Um, Rebecca what was it like Living in Paris
1: It was fantastic I had French in high school And college so It was Fortunate that when I Got there I the most important I mean I knew the city geographically Before I got there just from You know French class and everything I knew where everything Was I never felt like a Fish out of water or like I mean, I'd come from Omaha to Paris. Well, I was really in Lincoln because I was in college to, to Paris, but I, I spoke the language which also helped and could read it. So that was a real advantage. And, um, you know, I was, I was very blessed. It happened very quickly because I was never really intending to be a model. I was barely 5'7 by the skin of my teeth. So I was in no means, like didn't grow up thinking I'm gonna be a model. It's like, I'm not even tall enough. And so when they wanted me to come, in all honesty, all I was going like, wow, like I have like three free months in Paris. Like it just was like a free trip, you know, and let me do my thing. And I mean, I was literally only there a couple of days and my hair was short and I was in my agency and there was a photographer in there kind of, you know, going through pictures and everything. And I hadn't tested, like I didn't, I only had like the pictures that I brought from being a model in Omaha was all I had when I got to Paris. And she was in there. She kept looking at me and looking at me. And she's like, "If you comb your hair down, what does it look like?" Because it was kind of, you know, Dorothy Hamillish. And I'm like, "It looks like I'm wearing a football helmet." (laughs) Mind if I comb it? And so she combed my hair down, and it was a little kind of Louise Brooks. And just from, you know, she said, "Well, if I book you, you know, would you clean it up a little bit? Because I want to do these retro kind of pictures." Like, yeah, I mean, literally, this is my third day there. And so she booked me and we we shot these pictures and then she booked me again and booked me again and booked me again. And then I got the cover of this magazine. So all of this happened in kind of the first three weeks that I was there, which was in September. And I just, it, it, it was really wonderful because I was very fortunate that I worked all the time. I worked a lot. It's it, it's hard to be there and be a model if you're not working. It's not glamorous like anybody thinks. When I very first went, I was living in a hotel room with six other girls. So you've got six models in a hotel room because the agency kind of you know bundles you. Then they moved us into an apartment. But again, it was an apartment with six girls. And-, and those
2: girls have a tendency to get into trouble if they're not working.
1: Yeah. 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 So I was really, I was really responsible. I was really smart. I was a really hard worker. I was really reliable. And that helped me a lot that I think just a lot of the Midwest work ethic and the fact that I was, you know, a nice person later, years later when I ran into one of my bookers, she just said, you realize why you worked all the time. She says, because we loved you. Like you were, you were so nice. You were so professional. You were reliable. We could send you anywhere and we knew we could count on you. And everybody loved you. And so... That's a
3: lesson for everyone right there.
1: Yeah. Just yeah. Be, not- be
3: professional. You know, You know, if you're there to work,
1: yeah, sh- show I, up. I really was. And so that's what you know, you always hear like the stories about, oh, and I was there in the 80s when all that crap was going on. But you go, I've got a booking at eight o'clock in the morning. So even if I was out at a dinner, it's like time to go home and take a taxi and go home. I just... Um so it was great because working was fun. And I was doing so much editorial. I looked like this total all-American girl from Nebraska, but I was doing all this high fashion stuff. If I showed you pictures, you wouldn't even recognize that it was me. And that was the funny thing because I thought I'd be, you know, it was during the whole like esprit type of time period. But I did all this real high fashion, hard-edged stuff. And so it was like playing dress up every day and then living in Paris. And then what, what really, it, it wasn't easy, is the thing. A lot of people think, oh, how fun and how great. You don't make any money. You make no money. And it was hard. And it was, it, was, it was not easy, but it was enjoyable because it was passionate. What saved me is that after nine months in Paris, I went to Japan for the summer. They wanted me to come. And that's what really turned it all around. I got to Japan and just the way that they work there and how like we all live like in a big apartment building. So it was kind of like being back in college, you know, in a dorm. And, and there wasn't competition between any of the models and everybody was friends. And in Japan, I worked seven days a week, 12 hours a day. Wow. three months straight. I mean, it is just work, but it was, it, and I, that's where I really started doing a lot of TV because they started sending me on commercial stuff. And so it really exploded in Japan. But then while I was gone, everything that I had done in Paris was now on the stands. And so I had all these magazines and all these covers. And so it just kept going. So my three months in Paris turned into three and a half years before. I
2: I think it's it's funny because a lot of people, you know, think, Oh, isn't that sweet? She was a model, but like Rebecca did some, Really hardcore shit, like a real model. You know, the only thing that she didn't do was the runway. And um
1: I was at l i i did so much L, but it, I, at the time, I, I was still like naive. In retrospect, that I, I was just kind of there doing my job, and it was funny working for L because it was outside of the city. Everything else, you know, you get on the metro and you're there and you come home. But oh my gosh, like to go to Elliott to take the metro, take a bus, change buses, walk eight blocks. And so it was so funny that you, every time you get a booking at L, you're like, oh, "Crap, I've got to go tomorrow." Not even thinking, it's like you know, oh, it's a cover try for L, and all you're thinking is like, it's pouring rain and it's you know snowing and sleeting, and I have to go to L tomorrow and you know make seventeen dollars. Um, but it
2: just like to your point, Alan. You know, it, it, to your point, I never understood the. You know, you have the choice. To get carried away with the shit that's going on around you or you have a choice to buckle down and focus on what you're there for i find you know one of the reasons that a lot of my friends never made it past you know one was because they were more interested in the girls or the drugs or you know the The fun fun. getting releasing the nice car buying the porsche you know like i just was like everything i like beg borrowed and steal stole money basically to get into the best acting classes and i think that's you know what rebecca and i have in common is that we're able to really focus uh on one thing and and go for it um so that reminds
3: me because i was a page at abc television um In New York, from like sophomore to my senior year, and it always amazed me the other pages not using the opportunity. You know, I was there, you know, making no money because it's just a it's a part time job. But I literally like would go to school eight to two, work four to midnight, and I'd use every minute that I was at ABC to meet people and talk to people, so I could turn that into something when it was over. And I did advance.
2: Yeah, advance.
3: Yeah. Yeah, you know, did you um, leave Paris speaking fluent French?
1: No, well, I think
2: yeah.
1: for at the time because I I made the mistake I if, when I would work. Everybody I, spoke I,
2: English to her because
1: <laughs> I, 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 they'd be speaking French, so I could listen in French. So you, you speak fluent, French. right? Well, yeah, he. Yeah, Rebecca,
2: he, Rebecca will tell you the story of what she thought of my French before we went to Europe.
1: Because I'm probably like European, I have like Parisian French, right? And so my French was really- Yes,
2: her, I, got, I, always, I always laugh when she says that, her, her Nebraska European French. <laughs>
1: well, you know, I had it in, in high school and college. And so I could read it, I could write it. I knew the te- like I knew French technically, but yeah, I didn't grow up speaking it like he did at home. And so it was so funny because it was always a dream, like to be with a partner, then, no, oh, we can speak French. And so then, when we were first together, because this Quebecois accent, he's like, eh, dir. And I'm like, what are you even, it's like, eh, duh. And you know, it was like yeah. every, everything that he would, I was like, I don't even know what you're saying. And so I was always correcting him, or I kind of had, both, like, he could speak fluently, but I had, like, the vocabulary words. And so he'd be speaking French. I could throw out the word that I knew that he needed. But I couldn't tie a sentence together quickly. You know, I could do it compartmentalized. So that's how, you know, our French was at home. So then when he he was done on Bold and Beautiful, they sent him like on a big promotional tour. And so we were in, in Paris and then later in Switzerland, in the French part of Switzerland. So we're in Paris and he gets up in the morning like to go to this talk show, you know, but he's like on a panel talk show. I'm like, okay, And I'm, you know, thinking, oh, this is gonna be Mm. he's like Like, I
2: was like You were blown away.
1: I didn't know that you could speak it that well. It it was just And
2: everybody was everybody was very uh, complimentary towards my French because they kind of said the same thing that Rebecca was saying is that we generally can't understand people from Quebec, but you speak it really well.
3: Were you with other Bold and the Beautiful actors or were they all surprised when they heard you speaking or were you the only? No,
2: we didn't. But that was one of the reasons I because Brad wanted to send me. Well, Brad was here's the deal. So, Brad, uh, we did that whole, uh, you know, give my heart to Katie uh, episode, which Brad won the uh, uh, the Emmy Award for best show for best drama for the first time in his career, which he was, you know, like super obviously over the moon about, right? I mean, that's his baby, the first one, right? So he wasn't sure if we were going to do a twin brother story or maybe bring Storm back, or we just weren't sure what was going on. So, of course, Europe being six months to three years behind, hey, let's send Storm Logan to Europe. So he just wanted to send me to Paris and to uh, Switzerland. But I said, I said, why don't you do this? Brad is very generous, first of all, very generous. Okay. He'll pay you for those that your time, he'll make sure you get paid when you go and do these interviews. But I said, look, why don't you give me less money? Let's do some cities that you don't normally do. Um, And I'll just drive myself around the, you know, the continent. And we'll do like a bunch of interviews. That. That's great. Yeah. So he said, "Okay. Well, how about we?" So I so we came up with a plan to do Helsinki, Finland; uh, Stockholm, Sweden; Paris, France; um, Switzerland. What was the town we were in? Babe?
1: Lausanne.
2: Lausanne. Uh, we did uh, Munich in Germany. Um, and then Rome. We did, we did Rome so and Hard we drove ourselves no around we were there for six plan it, plan it. It. <laughs> we were there for six weeks we had absolutely no plan except for the days that we had to be in such and such city we tried to plan around okay well we need to be in munich on such and such day so we can do this up until the day before and then we need to get to munich you know so we sort of made we always got close to the city that we would Need to get to, but it was great. And uh, um, you know, I don't know if anybody else was jealous. Uh, to your point uh, of me going to uh, to Europe, they didn't send anybody else. It was just me. Uh, so it was kind of like a semi-paid vacation. I mean, we certainly paid out of our own pocket. And unfortunately, by the time we got back, I mean, we did. You know, we we did uh, like Rebecca said, talk shows. We did some magazines. We had a paparazzi guy that followed us around uh, in, um, where where, where was that?
1: In Stockholm.
2: Stockholm. He set us up on the Amalfi Coast. Um, Um, He sent us to a a working farm that had like a little hotel. He goes, look, I'm not going to promise you that they'll ask you to stay the night, but if they like you, they'll ask you to stay the night. And sure enough, and they, he goes, you know, there's no really menu. It's whatever came out of the ocean that day. Um, it's it's prepared for you especially. And if they like you, the price is less. If they don't like you, the price is more. <laughs> oh, so.
1: Yeah. I have to, this is a cool story because, you know. I've been- by the t-
2: hold on. By the time we were done, the dinner was almost free and we had a, a hotel room.
1: <laughs> and. And the funny mm-hmm. thing is when we were arriving because we got there at night. And you're, like, winding and it's dark. And, like, we don't really know. And there's not really addresses because it's, like, the countryside up in the mountains. And we have the windows rolled down because it's summer. And we hear this, William. And was, <laughs> we're driving, like, looking around. Like, we're kind of close. And we didn't know where we're going. And I'm, like, wait a minute. I'm, like, somebody's saying William. And so we literally <laughs> follow the voice. These guys are up there yelling. It's, like, William. And so we show up. And so they, you know, we're bringing us to dinner and we're like, oh, you know, we've been on the road and we're like, is there somewhere where we can do laundry tomorrow? They're like, oh, don't worry about it. Here, just put your laundry here. Come to dinner. Like, okay, put the laundry, go to dinner. Most incredible dinner of our lives. Then, you know, come back to bed, wake up in the morning, one of those, you know, open the windows and you're looking out at this, you know, Italian countryside. Oh, look at this. Look at the cows and look at this. Oh, well, you can
2: also see the know. ocean. Yeah, it was a working farm, and you're looking <laughs> out over the. You're looking I'm
1: out. i of- my punchline. Hold on. So you look out. Yes, okay. I skipped the ocean, so you see the ocean. You can see the you see the farm, and you're looking at all this stuff. And then there's a cl- oh, and there's a clothesline, and with all these clothes <laughs> in the breeze, and I'm like, <laughs> "That's my clothes." clothes. <laughs> that when we went on the bed, they took our clothes and washed them, and like hung them up to dry. I'm like, this is the greatest place in the world.
3: Nothing like the Amalfi Coast.
1: Oh, man. And then it was so funny because then we were leaving and we kind of had a plan like further down the coast. And, you know, I'm packing up the room and I hear Will down in the front with the guy. Um, and all I kind of keep hearing is like Thursday or whatever it was, Friday. Like he, and I'm like, what is he? And I'm trying to figure out what they're saying. I'm like, I don't know what he's talking about till Thursday. And then Will's like, okay, and, you know, we'll see you then. And, we'll, and he comes back up and I'm like, What's happening on Thursday? We're going to be in Capri on Thursday. He's like, no, he wanted us to come back. So we're gonna, we're just gonna, you know, go down and do, do uh, uh, what's that? Revel? What was that called? Where we stayed?
2: Rebel,
0: uh,
2: 18
1: plus. Yeah. Uh, R-
2: Ravelo, Ravelo.
1: Ravelo, And then we're going to mm-hmm. come back. So we just ended up like bagging the Capri part of our trip because the farmer wanted us to come back. So we came back and like. Stayed. I
2: think it was Positano. Positano was the one that you kept.
1: That we bailed not... on. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Positano's.
3: Positano. So I got to ask you, you both have worked so much, Rebecca. And one of the fans had said your Dexter episode just aired. They just uh-huh. saw the <laughs> Do you have a favorite? Episode. I, I know you've done a ton of movies, but like something you've appeared in that's
2: a favorite of yours for whatever reason? I think this is going to be an yeah. unexpected answer. Okay.
1: Well, I kind of have two parts. One. The we, show- we should
3: have, Will, do you know what it's going to be? And
1: you should write I it down. <laughs> I, I,
2: I'll, be, I'll be honest. If she says it, I'll say, well, that was the one I was thinking about. Okay. Okay.
1: Two. So favorites as far as my performance, like the show that I did CSI, and I really was like Daddy's Little Girl. This episode that, as far as work that I'm really proud of, the show, It's it's hard to, the one that I really loved the most was Ellen. I mm. uh, is that what you were thinking? You're gonna say something different? No, I
2: was actually thinking a live shot.
1: Oh gosh! Yeah, see, it's a loaded question. You're right. That's. Well, I mean, you you. <laughs> because on Ellen, on Ellen, when she had her sitcom, I, yeah. married, I married her brother, so I'm Ellen's sister-in-law, and it was a hilarious episode because it was all the wedding, and so again, everybody was there, and it felt like you were at a wedding all week. And Ellen was just improvising, you know, like at the at the like at the banquet thing. She was just, ma- oh my gosh, it was so much fun. She was my she was my maid of honor, and it was. It was just like a laugh. A minute. It was that was so fun. But yeah, I gosh, thank you for reminding me about Live Shot. Live Shot was a series that I did. The only season that UPN was on the was on the you air. Remember that? Oh, God. You remember that? I actually tested. I do remember that. Yeah,
2: yeah I UPN. tested her show on the UPN network, and Rebecca actually booked a show on the UPN network.
3: Yeah,
1: that was did yeah. It, Shot did was
3: UPN be UPN become WB?
1: No. Yes. No, yes, yes. The no, w- no, oh,
2: no, 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 they became no, something else, and that became you, uh, WB.
1: No, w- no, W B- is Warner Brothers, right? UPN is paramount, so they never became the same. Anything
2: Warner. else? Well, then, C- like
1: they
2: CW, CW, oh, C- oh.
1: WB became CW, but yeah, waslan- UPN just went away. Oh, maybe. Yeah, just- Wait,
2: what did you say? Be- oh, the WB became CW? Or CW yeah. became W? Or whatever, okay.
1: Yeah, I know I was getting, like, which one is it? Yeah. WB became CW, because Warner Brothers. So
2: I, so I just
3: looked it up. It didn't become anything, but a lot of the programs did, and this is why I thought of it, moved to the CW.
1: Live that's, show? That's, yeah,
3: that's what I thought. Yeah, that's that's why I said CW. It didn't become CW, but they moved some of those programs to the CW. Okay, yeah.
1: But Live Shot was one of the most brilliant shows ever. It was, it was a newsroom drama about, you know, like like live news, but it was so, it was so witty, so smart. So it was kind of like broadcast news meets ER.
2: It was a bit ahead of its time.
1: Oh my god, oh, wow. so genius! But then, since it was on UPN, you know.
2: Yeah, that
3: I know. You get a great show. And then a bad network. The
1: best. Let me. I
2: gotta ask. Here's a question for Rebecca because I never did ask. Did they pay well?
1: It was. It was okay. You know, because it was the first season, and so everybody's like, "Okay, come on, be a team player." Like it always is.
2: So what? Fifteen. Come on, spit it out. Fifteen grand.
1: <laughs> I swear, about it. I don't remember how much I made, but this is the thing, and I won't say who my agent was at the time, but. Because when casting, they'd be on set when we're shooting and stuff, and I got to be friends with the casting assistant. And all he said was, "He just said uh, your agent didn't make a very good deal for you, and <laughs> I, I made a lot less than everybody else." That's uh, a, That's all. I, I know. Made who you,
2: I, can I say I know? I know who your who your agent was.
1: Don't say you're like Mister.
3: <laughs> <He's
1: laughs> <Mr. laughs>
2: so, so, Will, for you, do you have a favorite role? Uh, oh, God, yes. So everybody needs to, you know what? I I, I, I would say everybody, I, I need to plug in. That's why I'm moving and giving you guys nausea. <laughs>
1: um,
2: I would say, un- unfortunately, I did go online the other day to see if there was any clips of the show, but there's not. You actually have to buy the season one and season two. Season one and season two. It's okay. a, a it's a Canadian so. co- comedy, Canadian comedy called Insecurity. Uh, oh,
1: yeah, yeah,
3: I was reading about you. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So I. N. Capital S. All one word. I. N. Capital S. Insecurity. And it was about a bunch of nitwits uh, fighting terrorism and they were so bad at it, but Despite themselves, they still managed to get the job done. And that's what the funny thing was, is that they were so incompetent. But through their incompetence, they somehow got the job done. I mean, it was fucking, excuse my language, hilarious.
1: It was so funny. The cast, I mean, just was, I mean, every single one of you guys were so spot on. And, you know, people, you know, are used to him as Michael Cambius and Julian. He is brilliant with comedy. I mean, I'm still dying for him like to book a comedy because if you see this insecurity, he's he's so good. That show was was brilliant.
2: Well, I was the oh. least least I was the least brilliant on the show, but That's it was great. a very it was a very good show. We we were actually the first season we hit like top numbers, really top numbers. Uh, for the network. And we had a brilliant lead-in. As you guys know, if you're in TV land, your, net, your lead-in is so crucial. And we had a very intelligent lead-in, Rick, uh, a show in Canada called Rick Mercer. And it was really witty people that would watch that show. They would get the irony and the comedy. And so we were a smart comedy. And so they loved the show. We had like almost a million viewers, which in Canada is absolute gold. If you make because if you've got the English Channel, the anglophone and the francophone. If you're an anglophone show with a million viewers, you, you'll Again, be on God. TV. For, you'll be on TV for twelve years. So, wow. um, so what happened was is that we did really well with this lead-in. Unfortunately, the network had a bit of a. Uh, this happens all the time. You know, the network, we had a changeover of executives, presidents, um, you know, for whatever reason, it wasn't their show. And so they changed our lead in from Rick Mercer, the brilliant comedian, talk show host, to a show that was the Battle of the Blades, where you teamed up a hockey player and a figure skater and they had to do a figure skating routine. And Hmm. it was like dancing with the stars, except hockey meets, um,
3: Okay.
2: Hockey meets figure skating. And it was a disaster for us. It was a disaster for us because that's not the same freaking audience. I I have Instacart that's about to be delivered. So Rebecca might need to take over.
1: You went blurry
2: well, too. Yeah, you
3: look blurry at the moment too. Well, I, I just want to say thank you both for doing this. Before I, Will, do you know? Are you going back to work this month? Because fans are dying to know if GH is.
2: Well, like I to- said, we get we get asked that on a daily, and uh, <laughs> all things all things you know, uh I think they would like to go back in July, but because the COVID situation is so fluid with rising cases, yeah, in California. Yeah. And it's all due to the young kids, you know. I think uh, unfortunately, our our our, our governor's done a good job. Uh, he tried to sh- he tried to shut it down, but unfortunately, the uh, northern California counties started getting really bitchy about it, and so he, he had to, he he was basically forced to open up some of the counties. Uh, the young kids in our neighborhood didn't take it seriously, so the whole thing just fell apart.
3: Yeah, it's it's everywhere. I think it, you know New York and New Jersey were the worst, and we're we're the best now. But I don't think that's going to last because the rest of the country is not doing so hot. So who knows? Um, sure, is there yeah. something you two watch together?
2: Like we've been have, watching um, da- we've been watching Downton Abbey.
1: I, I know I, it's I like I didn't watch that.
2: I love it, love it. It's Are amazing. Yeah, we're in amazing. season. Yeah. season four, like episode four. What uh, a cast, right? What a I cast.
1: Him watch it, much of it came around. And then it's so funny because how much of it I forgot. Like, we'll be watching an episode and he's like, does this happen or that? And I'm like, I don't remember. So yeah, it's,
3: it's an amazing cast. I, one of my favorites. Yeah, it,
1: it's, like, it's an acting class. It's oh. acting class. just watching them.
3: You know, but it's not only acting. It is a wardrobe, hair, makeup,
1: oh, set design,
3: God. the whole... Watching that cinematography, writing it is.
1: Well, it's funny as the seasons progress, you can tell that their budget progressed because there's like that. There's like some big kind of village scene, right? And everybody is in just these like like blush pastels, but like all different. And I literally just kept freeze framing the shot, just going, "This is the most beautiful thing I've ever." I mean, the it's it's so collaborative between all of the departments. That it just literally carries you away,
2: and
3: then the right. last series. Go ahead, uh, Alan. Yeah, no, I was just. I, I agree completely. Go ahead. What's the other series?
2: The other series that we started that we want to go back to when we're done with *Downton Abbey* is *The Boys*. Uh, Amazon. Yeah. Amazon's *The Boys*. I haven't watched. Good. So basically, it's a uh, it's super real like life superheroes that have become corrupted. And there's a bunch of uh, immortals. So they're kind of a mor- immortal, uh, uh, a, a super ca- superhuman characters that are, you know, within our society. But they've gone corrupt, and they've gone Hollywood, and they've gone, you know, it's all about the money now kind of a thing. But there's these mortals that are fighting them. They know, they under- know, they know. guys. I'm gonna check out the trailer when we when we're done. <laughs> it's called The Boys, and it's really good. It's with uh, the ma- one of the main leads is Dennis Quaid's son. Oh wow!
1: Matt Quaid is the lead, and Aaron oh. Moriarty, who played my daughter in the Miracle Season, she's she's one of the leads. She's like one of the superhero things. So, <laughs> oh, that's
3: good. thank you for the recommendation.
1: Yeah, I can't thank thank you both so much for doing this. So good to see you,
3: Rebecca. It's been it's been it's been, it's been a long time.
1: <laughs> no, well, well, come back anytime. There's a there's endless yeah. a pleasure of stories. Sorry, yeah, guys. I
2: got, sorry, there. I've got to go. No, I've got to pre- <laughs> see you, Thank, in you Thank you for waiting.
3: No problem. Thank you for doing this, both of you, Rebecca. I hope quarantine goes well. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye, Rebecca. Stay well out there.
1: (laughs) You too. too. I'm safer up here.
3: You are actually. (laughs) Have a great weekend. Bye, everybody. Thanks for tuning into the locker room. Have a great weekend.